specifically for parents, I think it's wildly significant for parents to be vulnerable. Like some of my best moments mm-hmm. with my dad are when he was like, oh, I did that stupid thing you're doing right now once and here's how, it, and just telling me the story of how that panned out for him is like, oh, like I think every kid needs to know their parents' lore. I don't know, talk to him about the 90s or something, like forever ago, you know, that was a long time. Elijah Lamb had dreams to be famous at a young age. Now he's an internet famous Bible teacher, public speaker, and content creator. Today, I ask him how he handles the pressure of having millions of eyes on him, and we talk about the interview that almost made him walk away from it all. And even though he's far from being a parent, he has great advice for parents too. Not gonna lie, I was impressed. I'm Jean Harrison, and this is Grace After Hours. Do you know what your Enneagram is? I'm a four wing five. Yeah, I knew it. I gotta be different. Yeah. I, hear uh, you. I do. It's it's bad sometimes. Uh-huh. Breaking out of that. Well, a little. I like to feel different. It's nice. You are different, Elijah Lamb. Yeah, that's where I'm like yeah. I'm my, my my own I've invented my own genre of person. Anyway. Mission accomplished. Okay, yeah. you started your own t- TikTok uh, at Yes. Well okay, I started my own YouTube channel when I was YouTube, eight years okay. old. I was like my dad's iPad oh, wow. posting. I mean, mm-hmm. it wasn't any good, but it was like I have an audience. So that was a blast. And I just kind of, I made YouTube videos like my whole childhood. Mm-hmm. And then I got pretty good at it. And then I was too embarrassed. So I deleted it all. And then TikTok came around. And uh, my my friends, I had, I used to go on my, my Snapchat account uh-huh. all the time. And nobody else does this. This is not a thing that people do. I yeah. was just really weird in high school. <laughs> I would go and I would do for like an hour, would just like film bits by myself. I would film bits by on myself. On your Snapchat? Yeah. Okay. Yep. All the time. I would film all these stupid. Of what? In, like in the mirror. Like just. Oh, of yourself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like song, like some like weird songs playing and I'm wearing a strange outfit and like nobody knows why. Uh-huh. All my friends are like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> you're a very, you're very, you're an oddball. And then the summer of 2019, I was like, oh, I probably could preach the gospel on here now that there's like a few hundred thousand people looking at me. And then it just grew. Hmm. Why the gospel? Well, it was like I always wanted to be famous and I wanted to do it like a sort of a secular way. Yeah. And uh, once I actually got there and had all these followers, I was like, wow, this is all vanity mm. if I don't do something more meaningful with it. So that's where – like I have lots of friends, even friends that are believers who do social media. They do comedy or whatever and their mm-hmm. faith isn't really a part of it, which I totally respect. But for me, I just yeah. lose my mind. Do you remember the first time you were noticed like out and about – the first time, mm-hmm. um, the first few times, kind of when someone was like, "Oh my gosh, are you Elijah Lamb?" <laughs> yeah, I don't remember like all of the earliest times, but I do remember uh, when I went to Passion Conference in 2020, mm-hmm. which you can ask my friends; they will verify this information. I was sitting in my seat the first night, and people found out where I was sitting, were coming down to my seat wow. to talk to me and take pictures of me and stuff like that. And I was just like, <laughs> I think the next day I was in service and I started weeping. <laughs> Because mm. I was like, oh gosh. Well, I'm looking at Mercedes Benz and there's 80,000 people in there or whatever the number, there's 65,000. And I'm like, oh, so that's like 10% of the, this stadium is 10% of the people I have immediate access to with the stuff that wow. I say. So I started to weep. I was like, God, I don't understand why, but this is awesome. So, <laughs> so it was like a, gr- a grateful, like, yes, a thousand percent. Like it wow. was like, this is, I can't believe I get to do this. This is unbelievable. I'm not worthy of this kind of thing. But, and so then meeting all those people of passion mm-hmm. was like an out of body experience. It was like, it made it all real. Yeah. And my real people. Not and just- so then it was the process of whenever people would recognize me in front of my friends, they were like, I knew you did stuff, but now it like, 
You mean you're validated to your friends? Yeah. Like, oh, they, you're doing something. They were like, yeah. holy crap, this is serious. Yeah. Like people know who you are and they love you. Mm-hmm. And you like they would people having people walk up to me in front of my friends and be like, hey, yeah, you changed my life. My friend, my mm-hmm. friends just being like, oh, holy smokes. Yeah. Like this isn't just because it was kind of like funny and cringy. <laughs> like to be on TikTok, everyone was kind of like, yeah, yeah. why are you doing that? But then somebody walks up and they're like, yeah, I gave my life to the Lord on you. You did a live stream. And like, I gave my life to Jesus on it. Wow. That for me was just like, oh, I didn't think about the fact that there was real people on the other side of this. That's kind of weird. But so, yeah. That's awesome. You know, I'll be really honest with you. When I actually, I think Pastor Mike is the first person who told me who you were. I mean, I knew your dad, but he was like, this Elijah's like doing all this big stuff. He's getting really, really big. And I think the first thing I said to him was, that's a lot of pressure. Mike, like for someone his age, it's a lot. Do you, mm-hmm. do you, how do you cope with, you have people who love you, maybe even too much, like not worship you, but you know what I'm saying? And then you have people who make fun of you. Mm-hmm. You have everything in between. You have to constantly put out content or do you, do you feel that pressure? How do you deal with it? Yeah. Um, I think when I was 16, 17, mm-hmm. 18, I, the pressure was, I felt it all the time Yeah, because I was like the weight of the world is on my shoulders Gen Z, it's me and no one else can help them. Like that's how, that's how it felt. And I just came to realize it was really dramatic. Um, Mm. so I don't know. I just think time with the Lord. I've, I really, when I started to get popular on social media, it became my whole personality and it became like the root of my spirituality. Is that what do you, what do you mean? Like, I, I'm like, Oh, I'm a minister now. Like I'm, I do mm. ministry now. And that's like the most important thing about me. So it did in a good way became like, no, it was like a obsessive, Oh. You know, it, it became like all that mattered to me. And okay. it was like the only reason I thought I mattered, which is not mm. a good perspective. So I've gone just through, I guess, years now of learning from the Lord what it means to just be God's kid and just yeah. for him to be my my pops is what I always say. I don't know. Mm. People, every time I address the Lord now, pops. I feel like a weirdo, but I'm like, hey, pop. And that's just how I want to talk to him because I'm mm. like, I got to get into my head that you're my you're my father mm. in the most intimate way imaginable. And I'm a, and I'm your son in like the realest Mm way. Um, but it was hard. Like, it was like, I was in the middle of that journey and I'm like, I'm a 16 year old kid with lots of issues and brokenness. Mm -hmm. And then boom, millions of people looking at you. So then it's like, it just becomes your world. You think your world gets bigger, but your world shrinks. Yes, You just, you come to the center of your own world and you, and you and the things you do, you feel like it's all that matters. And it's all Mm -hmm. anyone on the internet is thinking about. Then it's just like, no. oh, I'm I'm not a big deal. <laughs> well, but that's I, kind of what it was. Yeah, like in the grand scheme of things, I'm I'm not. Or like it started out with like, oh, I'm not the only big deal, and then mm. now I'm kind of like, yeah, hey, I'm not a big deal. Like, mm-hmm. do I've you had still some look cool at moments. the negative? Like, do you? Do you I don't see, get a lot of negative. Do you ever Google yourself and like see things of someone making fun of you or saying something? No, I feel like mm-hmm. I do so much making fun of myself. Yeah. That is not a huge I don't like thing. if you take yourself too seriously, then people can make fun of you. Yeah. But I don't. I mm-hmm. feel like so I've never aside from a couple of years ago, I I was on this Vice interview and well, I got man, they like, were wrecked. mean. It was a bunch of angry like Did millennials. It sink in? Did you or were you Well, I was sad yeah. because it was like I was like on vacation with my family when the video came out and then boom, tens of thousands of comments being like, This kid's brainwashed, this kid's doing it for the money, this kid's oh, wow. in the closet. And it was just like, What is going on? Yeah. What did I do? What did I open myself up to? Yeah. Like, what did I do to deserve this crap? Uh and so that was like, dang, that sucks. But otherwise, 
I was more so just for me, it's not like a, I feel bad about myself. It's like, I wish I could just sit down with every one of these people and explain your heart. Yeah. Cause they're confused. Did you, did it ever give you a moment of going like, I'm done with this, forget this? Yeah. When I was like super depressed. Yeah. It was depressed like, because of it, all the pressure. I mean, depressed because I was like traumatized and not outside very often. And I barely made it through high school because of that. Yeah. I mean, I, like getting in your own head a lot, you mean? No, or, I just like, wouldn't, I just would never sleep. Be. So mm. I would sleep in class a lot. <laughs> I was up, my my uh, AP art history class, my junior year, the day of the exam, because I had been borderline like truant. Like I, if I had missed four more classes, I wouldn't, wouldn't have passed. Um, and I would sleep when I was there and I wouldn't do, my teacher walked up to me and was like, I really hope you pass with a sadness in her eyes. Aww. And then I got a four out of five. So I got the credit for it. Thank you very much. <laughs> Now I know about, I vaguely know about 250 different ancient pieces mm -hmm. of art. So still, thank you for the public <laughs> education system. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so yeah, I just like would never sleep, never eat, mm. never in the sun. And I was just very sad. And then you add on top of that, like mounting pressure. Yeah. And it was just, so there were times where like, I'm never, I'm just never going to do this again. Yeah. And when it's, when it's your whole identity and this is who I am, this is what matters the most in my life. When it fails you. It's every, everything around you crumbles. Mm -hmm. So it was my God for a while, which was disruptive to trying to tell people about the real God. Yeah. Like that's kind of gets in the way of that. I would think that most people in your position, probably it has to at some point consumes them maybe still, but I was talking to another influencer a little bit ago, a girl who actually said that the more followers she got, the lonelier she felt. And it's the same idea of like shrinking. You think it's like growing, but really her world was kind of like shrinking down to yeah. just like, cause nobody actually knew her. Do you feel like where you are now, you have an inner circle, you have people who know you, like who holds you accountable? Who's in your life, not online, but real life. Yeah. I mean, I have now a good group of, of older men mm -hmm. that I meet with and pour into. Is, are these guys you work with? Um, no, they're like in Los Angeles where I live. I'm, I'm really close to my pastor there. Okay. And then a couple other leaders and pastors throughout California mm -hmm. that I regularly spend time with. Mm -hmm. um, so that's really important to me mm -hmm. as far as the accountability thing. And then I just have a really solid group of friends. Mm. Tell me what you're learning about now. What is God teaching you? Anything you're passionate about? Are you, who are you reading? Who are yeah. you studying? Like, um, I love to read. Do you? Yes. I, you didn't, you haven't been to seminary. No. Non-traditional path to getting where you are. Like, how do you learn? Yeah. I'm, I'm guiding a lot reading? of my, my own reading. Okay. Um, like who? Reading the important ones. Mm -hmm. It's kind of the goal right now. Um, the important ones, like you read old stuff? Yeah. You mean? Lots like, of old stuff. I just finished working through some of like the first century um, patristic fathers, first and second century. So like mm -hmm. Clement of Rome, uh, Ignatius of Antioch. Right. That's the right. Cause there's also Ignatius Loyola. It's Antioch. Um, and a couple other different writings from that time. Um, but otherwise I'm just reading a lot of scripture. Hmm. So I'm learning from that as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's probably the more significant portion of my like time spent hmm. reading. Can I ask you what you would say if we flip the script a second? Cause you talk a lot to young people. What would you say to parents is I, I think about hearing you even talk about high school, for example, and yep. you kind of have alluded to like, oh, I was a little bit like in my own head, like just the dark seasons. I'm raising teenagers. I know that, gosh, it's like a very fragile season of life. It feels like what do you feel like so, uh, someone in that age group 
needs the most? Is it authenticity? Is it like simplicity, a groundedness? Sure. I think it's wildly significant for parents to be vulnerable. Like some of my best mm. moments with my dad are when he was like, oh, I did that stupid thing you're doing right now once. And here's how, it, and just telling me the story of how that panned out for him is like, oh. Normalize, yeah. Like, I think every kid needs to know their parents' lore. Mm. Like, yes. You gotta just start telling them random stories. <laughs> your life. Yeah, like, I feel like I, like I don't know enough about my parents' lives because I'm like, would you tell me something weird that happened to you sometime? Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I need to feel like you've lived a life. So, because because all the kid knows is one day they existed and you were there. Yeah, you know. So I don't know. Talk to them about the '90s or something like forever ago. You know, that was a long time. <laughs> That's my favorite joke to make. I love making that joke. That's my favorite. Um, so I think that, and just that just comes with being really vulnerable. Yeah. Like, I think it's, mm. I think one of the number one things, you, you don't think this, but you have to be able, like, I think it took me years of my life to catch on my own that my my parents are human beings right. that are like stressed. Yeah. Like sometimes I love to go back in my mind and be like, oh, all the times I would like be arguing with my parents mm. or whatever. Like they were just like humans, probably having yeah. a tough day. It's and like there's like, a balance there. We have to be honest and vulnerable, but we don't want to also act like we don't know what on earth we're doing. Yeah, there's like of course tension, you like yeah. show them like you, you play Security the strong role, but right. also yeah. I just at some point I had to catch on to the fact that my parents were just human beings. Yeah, that was. You think that comes naturally, but it totally a thousand percent doesn't because your parents are the human beings in your life that feel least like normal human beings because mm. they've. It's just how it feels. So I think kind of rationalizing with them and yeah, Mm -hmm. I would just say talk to them a lot. Yeah. I can't think of anything that would really be more helpful than just ask your kid a ton of questions. Mm. So why do you keep doing what you're doing? Do you see yourself continuing to do this sort of thing? Like, yeah, until the, until God pulls me somewhere else. Um, I think, well, I'm doing it because I just love Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I think I, it's important to make that distinction. I didn't do it for that reason for a long time. Mm-hmm. It was like, I loved working for him, but now it's just, I love him. And mm. all the ministry stuff is at its core for me, for other people, it's like a demonstration of God's love for them. For me, it's like, I'm experiencing God's love in the moment. And mm-hmm. it's a way like preaching for me is a lot of fun. It was a lot of, it's always been a lot of fun because I love to talk. Yeah. Hence the microphone from my mm-hmm. face, you know, I, I just love to do it. So you're never going to get me in a situation where I can have a microphone for an hour and I'm not going to be having the time of yeah. my life. It's just not going to happen because I love it. But then it was like, Oh, I have all this pressure on my life, shoulders. And then my whole identity became like, oh, I'm a preacher. This is who I am. This is yeah. what I made. I'm just a teacher. And that's boring. That's like mm-hmm. such a, just not it. This is not. Has it ever crossed your mind to like be a preacher in the traditional sense to go get maybe some like extra, you know, I don't think you haven't been to undergrad, right? Um, yeah, no, I have like an associate's degree. Oh, okay. Well, like, have you ever thought about like, although I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't go to a traditional a degree, seminary, just... but I'm, I'm really content and happy where I'm at. Mm. And I'm having a lot of fun doing ministry in Los Angeles with just doing evangelism and discipleship with people there because awesome. it's dark and people need it. So, yeah. um, yeah, I'm like preaching because I, just because I love the Lord. Mm-hmm. So now when I preach, like it used to be, this is who I am. This is what I'm supposed to do. And then I feel like the Lord kind of pat me on the back and be like, this thing that you do is like not even in my top favorite, top 100 mm-hmm. favorite things about you. And I was like, oh. I love that. Okay. 
So it's because then before then my whole life was viewed through the economy of like failure, success, failure, success. Am I failing or am I succeeding? And am I, am I doing what I'm supposed And it's all about how I'm performing and how well I'm living up to like my potential or something mm -hmm. stupid like that. And God just being like, that is really not the point. Yeah. And I'm, he's super stoked to use me in things and super stoked that I'm like obeying him. Mm. But that's not like the core of things. That's not who you are ultimately. Yeah. No. And so now it's just, I love Jesus and I love being his kid. So simplicity. Bye. I love yeah. it. Okay, let me ask you some rapid fire questions. You ready? Yep. What'd you listen to on the drive over here? What song? Music. What song was that? I've been listening to a lot of Michael W. Smith. Really? Worship and Worship Again. <laughs> Great albums. I mean, untouchable. You do like old things. Oh, a thousand percent. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's like the one great thing we got from like late 80s, early 90s is that worship music. Is crazy. <laughs> okay. I could sing of your love. Forever. And that's a different band, but that. that one's great. Favorite snack? I like fruit. Fruit? Yeah, I don't. Okay. I, stay, I try to stay from that Red 40 stuff. Oh, die. Sock, sock, shoe, shoe, or sock, shoe, sock, shoe? Sock, sock, shoe, shoe. Agree. If you put one sock, one shoe, you're out of your mind. <laughs> like imagine being with the sock and a shoe and the other one's barefoot. You're crazy. Psychotic, right? That's a weird. real test for that. That's very weird. What would your pro wrestling name be? <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> That is weird. Okay. Um, holy smokes. I have no idea. I want to be called like the reverend. The, oh, that's come out a with good like a, one. Like a priestly collar, but like a, like <laughs> like a zombie it. reverend or something like the that. The reverend. Like, yeah, that was good. Yeah, I feel well, like that's well, good. That, what's that character like? Well, I come out and I have a really big cross, <laughs> like a big relic. And I and you beat people, people to death. And then it's like holy water, but it's it's acid. <laughs> Melt people's like skin off and stuff like that. I would and then but I think it would be a lot of like laying hands like you know what I'm saying? I like yeah. it. Very cool. <laughs> Best TV show you've streamed lately? Oh, I just thought of another one. Oh, what? Annoying people with oil and then light the oil on fire. <laughs> that is awesome. That is a good move. <laughs> I love it. Okay, what's the next Best one? Best TV show you've streamed lately. Do you uh, watch TV? Yeah, I, I mean like you not, have a favorite show I'm not watching or... cable. Good grief. Yeah, I know. I feel like um, it's streaming or Yeah, anything. I'll stream stuff. Let me let me think. I've uh I'm always rewatching Psych. I re I love suits. <laughs> I love I, suits. I, in California, you can practice law without going to law school. It's not a big I'm deal. Gonna, Mike Ross would be totally fine. Yeah, yeah, I would I love Mike Ross. I am Mike <laughs> Ross. That is like that's my exact personality. <laughs> I love Mike Ross. John Piper or John Mark Comer? Um, holy crap. Can I, can I mighty morph them and take they like great? a mixture? Both, yeah. Well, they're so but different. So, <laughs> like I get like John, John Mark Homer's little, little quiet voice talking about Portland and coffee. And then John Piper like can barely breathe, but he's talking about the glory of God. And I'm like, yes, this is awesome. I can't pick one of those two. Uh, I would take John Piper's preaching and John Mark Homer's writing. Awesome. LA or Build Orlando? Um, well, like. For uh, living and enjoying life and being happy and, uh -huh. and uh, you know, existing in a way that anyone likes would probably be Orlando. But mm -hmm. L.A., as far as obeying God and being where he's told me to be, I'll, I'll be in L.A. Mm. But if I had to pick a city that I enjoy more, it would be Orlando. What do you miss about Orlando? It's smaller. Um, I miss my, my family, obviously. Mm -hmm. I miss the weather. Mm -hmm. People think I'm crazy. I love humidity so you much. You like it? I hate the dry. I hate the dry with a passion. Why? So when I come home, I'm just like basking in the humidity. Oh. And yeah, I just love Orlando. Awesome. It's a sweet place. Well, the Reverend, I uh, appreciate <laughs> I appreciate you being here with us. Thanks so much. Yep. Thanks for having me. 
Grace After Hours is a production of Grace Church in Orlando, Florida. Grace's mission is helping people take their next step toward Christ. Learn more at discovergrace.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, share it with someone you know and subscribe so you never miss an episode.